here. You're listening to Who Wears the Pants. This is Mike. I'm Chris. And Chris, what do we talk about on this bullshit show? We talk about relationships. Like love. Sex. Butt stuff. Rock and roll. Anal. All of it. Beads. Yeah. Hot Wieners. Uh, yeah. Love. <laughs> death. Family. <laughs> kids. Friends. We talk about all of it, all relationships, whether it is a paternal relationship or an intimate relationship or a friendship. So this is a special episode because this is a dual one. Okay, We're now sharing it. Now i i have uh, i have I've been recently. Uh, someone has brought up how some of my language is problematic. And so when you say special episode, I just want to make sure what you mean is that this is not a standard episode, but that this is a... Uh, this is an episode that is being shared. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because I just... I just shows. When you say special, people think that you mean simple. And when you say simple, people think that you mean the R word. And I just, I just don't want to get canceled, Chris. Have you been told your language is problematic for real? I, so I did indeed refer to someone as being on the spectrum, and I did it as <laughs> not a statement of fact, but as a term of being derogatory. And uh, the editor of a podcast that I'm on politely asked me if I could not use that expression again in terms of, you know, being derogatory or as an insult. And in which case I was like, affirmative, I will do that. You will make that request. It bothers you. I will not do it again in the future. Um, what but, language are they going to take from you next? I don't know. I don't know, but that's not what this is about. This is about, this is about you. And I just wanted to get out there that we might use some problematic language. For sure. So in this special episode of Who Wears the Pants, Slash. slash slightly average slightly average now chris i've seen your penis it is below average yeah so what i want to know about you what about you is slightly average i'm really glad that you asked that mike yeah because it's not your it's not your nose it's not your teeth it's not your handsome face it's not your hair so what you're saying is i'm truly exceptional all of these things are indeed exceptional you're very fit good. very good I, oh we'll get into it Right. We'll get into it. So, so what? Why? Why, Chris? Why are you slightly average? Is it because the tiny dick balances out all the other good it's stuff? Mostly, it's mostly, and this is like because you asked me that question before we started recording, and I was like, I'm going to spur of the moment this thing, but I it it started kind of racing through yeah. my head. So you did plant the seed. It's oh, oh, oh seeds get planted, Chris. Oh, hate speech. Um, anywho, so it's mostly that I am willing to do things that other people aren't in order to get where I want to go. So the thing that distinguishes you mm -hmm. is the level of effort that you're willing to put forth. Yes, and it's not always effort, though. Sometimes it's just willing to take a different path. Okay. Can you give me an example of a sure. time that you've needed to deviate? I didn't go to college. That was one thing that was really big. Like, I, I went... I was there for a semester, and I was like, this is fucking stupid. This is not for me. I don't need to be here. And part of it was arrogance as an 18-year-old kid. Uh, I tested into honors classes, so I thought I was smarter than everybody else there. Um, got into it with a teacher, and I was like, oh, yeah, clearly this is not what I need. So went about life. Um, early, early on, so this is 11 years ago, I was able to get to about $50,000 a year, and I was like 19, 20 years old. So 
really great it's income. Darn, this is pretty darn good. Yeah, really good income for being that young. Um, I did that for it, money is the the thing that I use to measure everything right now. So, okay, I'm sorry. No, I just ahead. was. I mean, was was money always the metric? Yes and no. So money's well, always been important to you. You have to have money in order to fulfill needs. Sure. Um, so that in that regard, yes, it's always been very important. Is it the only thing that matters? No. Since I got into sales young, that became a huge focal point. So in sales, it's not do you wanna do you wanna help grow this business? Do you wanna do that? It's none of that bullshit. It's how much money do you want? And like parts of that I agree with and I took and I ran with, but like it wasn't that wasn't the end all be all for me. Right out of the gate, like started doing well. I worked for some AT&T call center. I was like, I was pretty good at it and I got recognized a couple of times, but I was, I said, because there was a, an important automated message. Okay. And I said, I have to transfer you over to the robot now. Get ready. And I did. And I got what was called a red flag. They were like, you can't call that automated message a robot. Wait, I'm sorry. <clears throat> if I may take a step back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did this get flagged? It got flagged because they, I. Or sold, this was being I, recorded? I, it, all of them are recorded. But I, ah, I, sold, I, see. I sold an exceptional amount one day. So I did, uh, I did nine new acts or 11 new acts, something like that. So new activations of service. They were really impressed by that. So they were like, we want to listen to his calls and see what he did. So they did. And in each time you casually refer to the automated <laughs> yeah. system as a robot. And you're like, Chris, you can't do that. You can't denigrate it. And Chris was like, well, actually, I'm a human being and the customers are human beings. And, we and that both, is not. And we both hate the automated system. And the automated system is, in fact, a robot. Yes. Why, why am I not allowed to call it what it is? So I, I graciously, I graciously accepted that. I was like, you know what? That's fine. You pay the bills for Chris. I'll be nice. So then I was, I mocked it, okay, with tone. <laughs> a very important automated message. I hope you don't choose to hang up. Right, because the automate, because the, the algorithm can't pick up your tone. It's only tracking the words that you no, use. No, 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 that's the thing. People would review my shit, like a person. Oh, my God, you didn't, they actually paid a human being to go over your calls. My God, I just assumed it was there for... Well, sort of like you an know, algorithm wouldn't have picked it up. Sort of like, sort of like Prism. I just assumed that this data was being well, fuck, collected. Was, no, this was I, the, eleven, twelve years ago now. Wow. So, I don't think we had an algorithm that was quite that smart yet. Mm. That was readily available to Roger the public. That. So, yeah, like that was that was one of those things that. Did you get in trouble for that tone? No. Wow, no, I didn't break a rule. I see. I didn't break a rule, and I knew that. So that's how I exploited that. Now, I went from that to a uh, brick-and-mortar cell phone store, and I worked at a Verizon wireless store. Well, yeah, because when you can put your handsome – I mean, as crass as this is going to sound, being physically attractive is an advantage in most things, but in particular when you're doing face-to-face -face customer service. 100%. 100%. So I went to, I went to a brick-and-mortar store that was – not far from my home, right down the street, actually. And I started there, and I made a great impression on the store manager. And she was like, listen, 
I am going to the small store. And it was like the best store for our little group um, in the sales group. So she's like, I really want to take you with me. And I was like, okay, let's fucking go. So I did. I did well there. And I was like, she's like, you're, you're the right-hand man. She's like, that's just, that's what you are. You work hard. Anytime I have questions, you fix stuff. Like, that's, that's what you are to me. You're the right-hand man. Had a great time there. I ended up leaving that because a, uh, I met somebody that worked at a T-Mobile, funny enough. And that guy was like, dude, he's like, what are you making there? I told him. And it was way less than what I started at when I was in the call center. Ah, really? Way less. Okay. They kind of, in, in sales, everybody embellishes their pay plan to get you in the door. Nobody makes more money than we make. And we set our own prices on stuff. You can't do that at this store or that store. So I wasn't making the money that I thought I should. So I went to T-Mobile. And again, it's like, boom, making like 50 Gs a month. And I'm 22 years old at this point. You say a month? Or a year, I'm okay. sorry. Yeah, yeah, like four, four, five thousand 5,000 a month, or about 5,000 a month. So yeah, 4,200, I guess. Yeah. So it's, it's good money, um, especially for being young. Well, when they see that a sales staff in a cell phone store is making too much money, they, they like to offset payroll, so they change the commission structure. So I went from making... So they're constantly, it sounds like they're constantly changing... Yeah, so you have, your, to, you have to find a new way to make money through them. That's, that's, that's awful. That is, that is sales. You have to find a way to exploit your pay plan. They, it, we found ways to exploit the pay plan. They changed it, changed it, changed it. And then I was like, man, I, at this point I'm dating Tara. And I'm like, I don't want to fucking deal with this anymore. Uh, and one of my customers was like, come install cable. So I, I did that for like 10 minutes. And I wrecked a company vehicle. Wow, <laughs> did you really? What happened? I was at a gas station getting gas. And you know those posts at the edge of the pump? I wasn't used to driving this giant van. So I'm turning out, hit the post. And they were like, dude, you're still within 90 days. We got to let you go. And I was like, perfect. Went back to Verizon, you know, back to the cell phone place. Did that for a very short period of time. So you went from Verizon to T-Mobile. And then back to the Verizon people. To doing cable installation for a hot minute. Yeah. And then back to Verizon. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, like, money really wasn't super plentiful at that point in time. That's where it started to get kind of shitty. So I had a friend call me uh, that I had worked with at T-Mobile, and she's like, hey, I am a loan officer. I want you to come do this with me. And I was like... Okay. She's like, you're going to start off as a telemarketer, but we can get you, we can get you your certifications and everything so that you can do what I do. There's guys here making $250,000 a year. And I was like, holy shit, that's like doctor money. So I went there and this is right, right before, right before things started to kind of drop off with um, mortgage lending in 2013. So I get there, I'm doing well. The owner agrees to pay for my certification because they liked me and because I performed. They're like, yeah, you're going to do great. Do that for a little bit. Start getting my certification. And then my branch got absorbed by one of the other branches because apparently the owner was doing some shady stuff. Ah, okay. Yes, yes. And then things slowed down. And since I was not yet certified, I was going through the classes and everything. They were like, hey... We're laying off now, and yeah, sorry, we don't. Yeah, f- you're not yeah, certified la- yet. Last in, first out. Exactly, you don't have your certification. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. So, and they're like, we don't need telemarketers. We've got guys that are certified being telemarketers right now. Okay, cool. 
So I go to work for some bullshit little sprint store. It was privately owned. Like that's when that's when I found out that if I'm going to motivate myself with money, I can do it by tracking my hourly rate. Okay. So I would anytime I would make a sale or something like that, I would calculate the payout with my regular hourly and as long as I was making over $25 an hour, I was like this is good. If I wasn't, <clears throat> I was bummed out about it. And there were dead days because it was a small store and kind of bullshitty. So I, lear- I learned that I could do that then. That store closed down. So I was like, okay, well, I- fuck. And I had just taken a job at the fantasy shop part-time because I wanted to do something that I liked with the cell phone bullshit. Right. That's where you come in, and that's where that's where we met. And yes. if you if if you're a new listener to to who wears the pants, or you're a new listener to uh, slightly, slightly average, average yeah. then you know you know Chris and I have a unique relationship because when I interviewed Chris to work for me, I encouraged him to not work for us because he was too good for the job. He was too smart. He was too ambitious. He had too much going on, and it would be a waste of his talents to come work at the game store. I did. That's, that's real life. That actually happened. Yeah, it did. Legitimately did. So they closed down my store. When that happened, I had said something to, I think it I think it was you. I don't know if it was you or John Perks, but I was like, hey, this happened. And you guys were like, well, let's just bump you to full time. Mm-hmm. So we did that. And uh, you had mentioned at one point going to St. Charles or something like that. And I was like, man, Florissant's so close to my home. Yeah, I mean, my my plan for that, of course, would have got you, you know, get you into the management track and get you to run a store someday. For I mean, sure. I, ideally, I mean, the whole reason, at least at that time, to move someone to the main St. Charles location was to try to get them to become an assistant manager and then manager and training stuff. That's so interesting. Didn't know that. You could have used those words. <laughs> I wouldn't use those words because I don't know. Oh, okay. Right? So... It's not about me, but ideally, it's it's always about I want to get the person over there and see how they perform with the staff and see what the staff thinks and see how the customers do because it's a different pace and it's a different sure. it's a different job altogether. And and sometimes employees were good at it and sometimes they weren't. And if they were good at it, we're like, hey, how do you feel about being a manager? And you know, you don't want to be a manager, then no. If you do, then this is the place to cut your teeth. See, I would have killed. It's a shame. Doesn't matter. So I did that for a while, and then uh, I it, it doesn't fucking pay the bills because we were making like seven sixty five an hour. Well, you're time. so you're making minimum wage and always minimum wage. Yeah, yeah no matter sure. what. So yeah, I mean, if you were there for a while, you would get incremental raises. Yeah, sure, making ten dollars an but, hour when you have two kids. Yeah, is bullshit. Just, it doesn't work. Um, so ten dollars an hour with no kids doesn't work. Right, it's not real. I reluctantly started interviewing at car places and this is after for years people were like oh just you should sell cars you'll make money you should sell cars blah blah blah. your aunt does it all this bullshit and i was like man i never want to fucking do that so i went and interviewed at this car dealership the first one that i interviewed at while i was there there was like an employee altercation with management and the guy screaming and guys are dragging him out of the showroom and i was like i'm not fucking taking a job here Right. Like, if that's how people act here, I don't want to fucking be here. So I didn't take the job there. And I went and I interviewed at some other dealership. They offered me a job but asked me to pay for training, and I was like, go fuck yourselves. And then I interviewed at another dealership, and they were like, oh, this is going to be great for you. You can come on here. 
So I started at the first dealership that I ever went to, and they didn't they didn't think I was going to be able to cut it. I don't know why. I guess because I was I, at this point in time, I was trying to be very corporate. I, I was trying to be nice, mind my p's and q's, and like that's not what you do in the car business. The car business is at least ten ten years behind on everything. Oh, really? Yes. So I'm like, okay, whatever. And it, here, there's a bunch of fucking cokeheads and shit there, typically. So that they were like, oh, he's probably not going to make it. Well, my first deal that I did, I made somebody go get a payday loan to buy a car. Not made them, but I suggested it, and they obliged. I did that because that was the only way this lady could get into a car, and she needed a car so she could get to work. Right. Okay. You know what I mean? Like yeah. at that At that point, what do you have anybody that can help you? No. There's a payday loan place down the street. Go get one. Let's fucking do this. So we did. And they were like, oh, shit, this guy's for real. So then I, I became like one of the top performers there very, very quickly. And within my first three months, I got promoted for the first time to internet sales, which was like I got extra leads and stuff like that, which put me even further in front of the pack. Okay. I was always leading everybody else, and then I got... Well, you've always, you've always been ambitious. Yeah. Um, and I think that one of the things that was not good for you working for the fantasy shop and for miniature market is that even if you advanced in the company, there was never great opportunity for financial gain. So miniature market I went to just because you were there. Oh, you're sweet. And because I wanted to get out of the house because I was running my online business at that point in time. So anyway, back to this car place. So I was there performing well, got promoted again, and I was training the staff and basically overseeing the sales staff and part uh, another part of the operation, which was, they call it the BDC, the Business Development Center, and those are uh, incoming phone calls and stuff like that. So I was helping um, with the BDC. And then I basically, that's where, that's pretty much where I ended things. Um, I was doing car buying and operating with the BDC and uh, went out with some of the guys one night, got drunk, and I, I said something, I, there was some guy that was like basically taking my old job at that point because I was going into something new there. And I was like, he said something to me and he's like, why are you still here? And I was like, well, because, you know, this is cool. And if I leave, probably like half the guys would come with me. Bold statement. But like I had literally hired two of my closest friends and stuff like that. So I think it's a fair statement. Okay. And this this caused turbulence? Sure did. So this dude fucking uh, goes and tells the owner, hey, he said he's going to quit and take half the people. Which is which is not what you said. No, not at all. So at this point, I knew I didn't want to be there anymore. And I, I looked at the owner and I was like, are, are, you, are you serious? I was like, because this is what I said. I'm like, if, if you believe this fucking cunt that just came in here uh, over me, somebody who's been here for two and a half years and who has always tried to do his best for this company, you can fuck yourself. I'm done. Right. Did, what, did, what did your boss say at that point, though? Did they say, Chris, look, I, 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 don't, I don't believe that you said that. I nope. believe you're... Well, no, he ran, he ran with it. So this dude... Okay. Uh, did they want to... Did he... He loved ass kissers. Ah, and this dude... And you were not an ass kisser. I'm not an ass kisser, and this dude was. And actually, about two weeks before this, I had a conversation with him. So early on in my employment, he told me... I need you more than you need me. 
or he said that, but I needed him more than he needed me is how he, so he goes, you need me more than I need you. And I was like, all right, motherfucker. I never forgot that. And we had a meeting, you know, two years later. And I was like, you know, I was like, you said that to me. I was like, and it stuck with me. I was like, and I want you to know you were fucking wrong. Mm -hmm. You were wrong then you're wrong now. Like nobody's ever going to say shit like that to me again. Right. And he was like, huh? He goes, I said that to you. I was like, yeah. And he was like, wow. But he didn't apologize. Mm. And I was like, okay, man. So then two weeks after that, yeah, that's when I ended up getting getting out of there. So you left. Did anyone come with you? No, I didn't ask him to. So I had a friend with a kid there. And I, I wasn't like, hey, they fired me. You should get the fuck out of here. Because one of my buddies was like, hey, what the fuck? And I was like, it's cool, man. Do your thing. Yeah. I'm going to go do something else. Because it's, un- it's unrealistic to expect yeah. that people are going to upend their lives because your life was upended. If, if I was going somewhere else and could take them with me, it would have been different. I would have just to be a cunt. Um, I would have been malicious. See, I have, I, have, I have mixed feelings about poaching people like that. Like, if if I was getting into a new job and mm-hmm. I thought, well, I think this person would be really good for it, that's one thing. But to say, I left and it was bad blood and you should leave to come with me, that's a different thing. Yeah, if, if I would have been going to another car place, because that's where these guys were starting to get comfortable, that's what I would have done. Yeah. Just, again, to be spiteful. And because this place didn't pay enough, like I was back to making $50,000 a year, but at this point I'm, you know, 25, 26 years old. It's not, it's not really acceptable anymore. I'm like, Hey, I've been making pretty much the same money for five years. Wow. It's, this is fascinating to me primarily because as a person, I have never been motivated by money. I've never I mean, I have fought to make more money in a job that I have had, but a motivation to maintain a job or get a job has never been financial for me. When Beyond, I need to pay bills. When a, like, working, I told you T-Mobile changed their pay plan. Right. So, like, I went from making a bunch of money to basically just above minimum wage. Well, which is, which, I mean, well, whatever. It's a terrible, it's a shitty, shitty thing to do to your employees. but that's what they do. And it doesn't. That's just what they do. And I was like, okay. So, like, I went from being on top of the world because I was making more money than all my friends that had just got out of college to fucking poor. Poor with a kid and all that shit. So, like, money became very important then because, oh, I I had fucking tasted poor. And I didn't want to be that again. Does that make sense? It makes makes a lot of sense. But what the overlying, excuse me. The overlying theme here, though, is that the times that I have worked with you, those have been jobs that don't pay well, but they are fun in a cool environment, yes. right? And that's not to say that you haven't had fun, cool environments working sure, in other places. Sure, sure. But being there, money was not your motivation at those places, right? No, because I had He's, money coming in. Right. Because you had money coming in through another endeavor, yes. which was you were doing business online on your own doing yeah. fulfillment. Yes. So what what caused you to take a break from traditional employment to focus on this fulfillment thing? I did not want to work for anybody else anymore. Like after, after leaving that car job, it, it, it left a fucking bitter taste in my mouth. And I was like, you know what? The problem with going anywhere and working for anybody is that 
nobody gives a shit about you in those environments. So it's better to work for yourself when you actually matter and what you do actually matters and affects your income. So that's why I did it. And I was making the same $50,000, $60,000 a year doing that. So I did that for about a year and a half, worked at Miniature Market, and then uh, Tara was like, hey, we need, we need to get insurance and stuff. So when you were doing the fulfillment on your own, because you were self-employed, as far as insurance and things, it's just not something that you had. No, and then okay. I, it, my, my income was crazy enough, and because Obamacare was a thing, it was like, it was negative. Like, I, I was fucked if I was trying to get insurance, if that makes sense. It does. Uh, so, you know, interference with a free market economy is not a good thing, because in another... Four years before that, I could have got insurance for myself through a private private brokerage or whatever and been fine. But since Obamacare was a thing um, and I didn't have an employer, mm-hmm. I was making my money through independent contracting. It was a whole big ordeal. Interesting. So, I mean, that seems antithetical to the program in the first place is that you're self-employed. You don't have an employer to offer you insurance. And so the government is supposed to make insurance affordable for you. I was going to say, but I was making too much money. I see. So that, You were making too much money being self-employed. Yes. So that program subsidizes things for people that don't make a lot of money. Gotcha. Working as a cog in a machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was not a cog in a machine. I was my own machine at that point. Okay. Interesting. So, Interesting. So, but then you then you and Tara talked about it, and you're yeah. like, we need to have more income. So, well, it, you, w- it wasn't more income. It was I actually took. A, I'm sorry, a small pay cut. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, insurance. So I went and worked twenty bucks an hour with Tara's dad doing something that I had never done before and wasn't good at. Mm. Uh, they were like, hey, let's do. You're going to do photo templating for uh for countertops. Is that computer work? It kind of. Okay. Kind of. So you would go put dots on a wall and dots on cabinets, take pictures of it, and then use a computer software to draw a countertop that would then fit over that area. I see. Now, I thought I felt like I was learning to do it and learning it pretty well. Um, the individual who was training me did not feel the same. So they were like, hey, man, this, this really isn't for you. And, like, typically somebody would not do this job that you're doing unless they had worked out in the shop and actually cut countertops before or had been out on site and had actually done that because you don't really have an understanding of the construction part of this. Yeah, it seems like that That sounds like poor training to me. I, I wasn't going to say that. I just did. That's, And I believe the same, but I was trying not... To use those words. I was trying to... Because it's about your wife's, it's your father-in-law. Yeah, well... And, yeah, I, and you I, don't want... And it wasn't him directly, no, right? No, no, and you no. don't want to crap well, on he, his company. He, yeah, he, yeah. He told me, he told me, he goes, dude, that was bullshit. They should have had somebody else training you. Yeah. Um, but that's... I want to accept responsibility for it and just say it wasn't yeah. it's, it's it wasn't a good fit yeah well no and you and you very clearly admitted that it was something that even though you thought it was something that you were improving at initially it was something that i'm not good at this it's not something that i'm good at and that's a difficult thing to admit sure i was gonna go back to doing my online thing then right uh, because tara got insurance through her work at that point so i was like oh i can just go back to doing my own thing mm-hmm. and my my buddy came over who I had hired at the one dealership and he goes, Hey, I just went to this other dealership. I want to show you their pay plan. And he shows it to me and he's like, dude, we can make a hundred thousand dollars a year here. And I was like, all right, I can do that. And like, I had already 
run a business for myself at this point, been extremely profitable. The only thing that I hadn't done with that is started scaling so that I could boost my income to that six-figure income. So I looked at him and I was like, yeah, let's fucking do this, man. I can, I can absolutely do this. So, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm jumping in, but now you've gone from working for yourself because it's what you wanted to working again for someone else because it was more advantageous financially. Yes. So are you happy working for someone else again? No, not at all. But you just set it aside? You just swallow that? Yeah, 100%. Now, the thing that I ran into with that is uh, I went in and, like, it was belly full of fucking fire. I was hungry and I was going to eat everything and everybody. Like, Yeah, but see, you you always have that. Sometimes it's dormant, but it's always there. Sure. I think that's fair. But, like, it was – I was a monster at that point in time and I was ready to fucking kill and it was awesome. So like I went into a store that was selling 100 cars, 120 cars a month, and I personally was selling 20 to 30 of them. Like I was That's I was, a big deal. Yeah, I was in there fucking cutting heads off. Um I got to my six figures like my first month there was a February, so a short month. And when uh I guess I did my training the last half of January, like I think I started on January 11th and then didn't really, I did training and they had me making phone calls. It was total bullshit. And the the store manager was like, you're not going to fucking cut it here. And I was like, eh, uh, he told one of the other managers that. And that other manager related to me. And I was like, yeah, I don't give a fuck about this asshole. Now, why, why did they think you weren't going to make it? Because this is, this is the second car place now yeah. that we've addressed where someone said, this guy's not going to cut it. I think people are afraid of me. Okay. Now, why... I'm different. Why would... Okay. Well, I mean, people fear you because you're different. At least that's your interpretation. Yeah. What is it about you that makes you different to the point that this is intimidating to others? I will say what I want to anybody. Yeah, I I don't even do that. And I have a reputation for not holding my tongue. So, when, when I was growing up, my stepdad worked on cars he was a mechanic and he uh he would work on football players cars and stuff like you know famous athletes he was working on their vehicles and your stepdad's a stand-up guy yes and i was like i was like that's so cool and he goes man don't ever fucking glorify anybody he's like they're people remember that and i did i remember that so when somebody like the store manager at this place, the second dealership, when he's saying stupid shit, I'm like, dude, you don't even fucking know me. You put me in some stupid room to make phone calls. Like, I'll go out there and I'll, I'm going to destroy your staff. I'll fucking destroy them and I will destroy you. Like, it was, it was awesome, dude. I wanted to lob his head off. Has, has anyone in this situation, people who have doubted you in that industry, has anyone come to you and been like, fuck, Chris, I was wrong, man. You're yeah, a monster. 100%. Okay. So with this cunt, this it, it was probably the most gratifying thing in the world. So like my first month on the floor, short month, I went out and sold 24 cars. In, in, in February. Yeah, one car every working day, which is exactly what I said I would do. And he goes, that's, that's really lofty. You're probably not going to be able to do that. And I was like, you just sit down and shut the fuck up, dude. Now, that wasn't my exact verbiage. I was like, you don't need to worry about that. I'll take care of what I need to take care yeah, of. Yeah, I'll do my thing. And I did. He fucking was a dick. 
we were going at last day of the month. He's like, well, you took your foot off the gas pedal. You could have sold more cars. And I'm like, dude, fuck you. Like the next closest guy was like 10 cars behind me. Right. You said I wouldn't last. You said I couldn't do a car a day. Yeah. Now you're up my ass for taking my right. foot off the gas. You're a fucking dick. Right. And I'm like, dude, you just you sit down and fucking play with your little computer. So <laughs> that continues. And like I'm, I'm King Crab around there. And I told my boss's boss, the guy that oversaw all the stores here in St. Louis, I was like, hey, I'm moving up. So, you know, make sure the spot's ready. And he's like, man, I fucking like you. You work hard. You do this. You run that store. Great. So I get my promotion. I get, and this fucking store manager tries to, like, do all kinds of bullshit to not get me into the spot that I want to be in. So he's like, ah, oh, you need to actually do this. And I, and I just flat out told him. I was like, dude, I was like, it's this or I'm not doing it. Yeah. And he's like, you're so entitled. And I'm like, I'm not. I'm like, I did what I was supposed to do to get here. So now I'm fucking going there, period. Or I'm not going anywhere. I'll just keep doing what I'm doing and I'll make my six figures. And this this jump, and I'm working fucking 80, 90 hours a week at this point. This this jump was to double my salary. So I, I'd be making you know $200,000 a year. It's a lot of money. That's yeah. that doctor money that we talked about earlier. So Yeah, I, I have never... And we'll never make that kind of money. Maybe. Maybe we'll. I don't know. Any which way. I get in, I get my finance job and uh, like my I finish out it was like half a month and they gave me a guaranteed pay that month. Cause I told them I was like, I do not work for any less than this because they tried to fuck me on pay one time and I was like, look, I was like, if you ever show me some bullshit like that again when I'm doing what I'm doing, it'll be my last day here. I'm like, I'll wait for the paycheck to hit, and then I'll go do something else. I don't need you. So they gave me what I said my minimum was that month, and I had put up like $56,000 on a, on a Saturday one day. It was ridiculous. That's a lot of fucking money. Moving forward, the next month, well, they, they tried to – I was on a guarantee, and they tried to take part of my guarantee, but they did it – they kept everybody until like 8 o'clock on a Saturday. The store closed at 6 and they cut everybody's fucking paycheck after we had already signed off on what our pay would be. Why did they do that? I, I don't know. So there, so to this day, there's no understanding of why this occurred? No, it was stealing. Okay. It was stealing. So I worked that week, I think I worked 96 hours. And yeah, you're going you're gonna to steal from me after I'm here 8 o'clock on a Saturday. You were supposed to have already paid me this check two days ago, and you kept me here late, and you're going to give me a paper check. So me and most of the staff went out drinking that night, and a few of us, all of us said, hey, we're not going in tomorrow, or Monday. So we didn't go in Monday. Kick ass. How many people? Uh, everybody but two. So, so the vast majority of the staff. Yeah. Okay. I start getting phone calls from my boss's boss, and he's like, what the fuck, dude? He's like, I, I just promoted you. You need to get up here, man. And I was like, no, dude. I was like, you fucking stole from me. Well, I'm going to make it right. You already did it. Like, we don't get do-overs. If I stole from you, I'd be in jail. Yeah. So so I went in, gave him my resignation, uh, like th- four hours into what my shift would have been. It was awesome. Mm. Uh, one of the other managers gave his resignation. Wow. So, like, that That was like, I felt good about it. It was a power move, man. It was awesome. Well, and here you are. You're, you're still gainfully employed. Yeah. You're... 
still in the automotive industry and that whatever reputation that you have developed, whatever follow you to this place did not prevent you from getting another job. Well, what's funny. So the guy that I quit with, I work with him. Oh, so you, okay. So, so, so basically what happened? I went and helped a buddy open a spa started to get that going and he had some when you said i i helped a buddy open a spot like you hope help somebody get a dealership open or no a, a spa a, a spa, spa. Oh, so S-P-A. A, fr- a, spr- a friend of mine oh. was opening a new business right he needed some help and like uh i had already started a business and made it profitable with no time so you guys were like oh, fuck, i'll help you yeah. yeah absolutely and he's like i'll pay you like you're valuable your time's valuable i'll pay you and i literally just quit a job and i had called him to play dungeons and dragons okay um, because he had been trying to get together to play. Well, now we're getting into the real reason why I like you is because you're a gamer. Yeah. So he had called me to play D&D, and I kept having to say no because I'm working these 92-hour weeks. So I get out of my job, and I was like, hey, man, um, you know, I have free time. And he's like, actually, I, I don't, <laughs> but he, I need an employee. He's like, I want you to come do this with me. He's like, so, you know, you come out. I'll pay you cash for a minute here just to help me out, and we'll see if this is something you want to do. And if it is, you know, I'll put you on salary. Okay. So we do, and... God love the man. Sean White, I love you, dude. I know I don't talk to you enough or anything like that. I'm sorry, but you're an exceptional dude. Anywho, so I go start doing this, and he's got an investor that invested in his company, and that guy's like, he's doing like four other things at the time, like has a few big projects mm-hmm. going, and I was like, man, this one I think is really cool. I'd like to be involved in that, and he's like, well, cool. You come here and help me with this because Sean can't afford to keep you there anyway. He's like, you're too expensive to have there. Right. So you come here, and I'll let you do this. And I was like, fuck yeah, man, I'm in. I'll do that. So I go to fucking do that. And Yeah, and I don't want to get too into the weeds on it, but basically uh, marijuana is just recently recreationally legal in Missouri, but or I shouldn't say Illinois. recreationally, uh, in Illinois, and, and medically legal in Missouri. Yeah. But this guy, one of his investments is... Paraphernalia. Uh, paraphernalia, yeah. head shop. And he was doing a lifestyle line that you were basically managing. Yeah. So I was going to help spearhead that. And if I would question something on it, because I just didn't understand, I'd be like, Hey, you know what, what's going on with this? And like, those are conversations that I would have with Sean so that we could help refine an idea for him. Right. When I had it with this guy, he was, he's like the, the fact that you're asking me that is, it's it's not good. It's not good. So something that something that was brought to my attention recently when I was listening to NPR. Yeah. We're talking about how the people who get listened to are the loudest and the most confident people like me. The people who actually know what the fuck they're talking about are the people who question things and admit that they don't know what they're talking about. The idea that you came looking for clarification and they, whoever this person is said, Oh, you you don't even get to ask for clarification. That just means that you're somehow not going to be good at this thing is the exact opposite of reality. It's the exact opposite of truth. Being able to go to someone and say, I need clarification or explanation, or I would like to present an idea. Those are all signs of intellect and the ability to learn and grow. Well, I had done, I guess the thing that was frustrating to me is I had done a pretty extensive amount of research on how to grow a brand at that point because I started 
my own little business. Right. This thing is launching from nowhere. The only people that know about it are the people that work for you, basically. Right. Well, and, I mean, as somebody who lives in the town with you do that goes by stores of this ilk, just doesn't, I mean, it, it, it didn't get off the ground. It didn't fucking go anywhere. That's exactly right. I, I mean, again, this is about you, not about me, but I had a similar experience with a miniatures company. So I, uh, and I was like, man, I don't, I'm not going to fucking put up with you, dude. Yeah. And he told me one day, he's like, dude, I only pay myself X amount of dollars a year. Uh, he's like, I'm paying you the exact same thing. He's like, you can't do this or make mistakes or anything like that. And I think I had, I think I had ordered a couple, two things short on an order or something. And it, we caught it like that day. He told you that you couldn't make mistakes. He, he goes, you're making too much to make mistakes like that. And it was literally... Okay, that's different verbiage. Sure, 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 sure. So he goes, you're making the same amount that I am. You can't make mistakes like that. It, it was $50,000. It wasn't a lot of money. Okay. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, I ordered a couple things too short. I caught it that day and ordered the other items to completely fulfill the order. Like, yeah. But this guy was crazy at his people all the time. Yeah. And so I'm like, dude, I'm not fucking putting up mm-hmm. with this, like... You told me if I come here, I'll I'll be able to get to where I'm making car business money again. So I'll be making fifteen grand a month uh, because you're going to have me do this, 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 and this. And there's no way to make that here. Like I see how you operate now, and I know that the financial viability of that is almost non-existent. So yep. I'm not going to right. continue to fucking do the song and dance with you. And you're sure as shit not going to abuse me because I'll end up losing my shit at you i called my buddy who i quit with and i was like dude what are you doing right now and he's like i'm fucking at this car place and i was like okay i mean buttholes and uh i was like do you have a finance manager spot open he goes i don't buddy he goes you can come sell cars if you want and i was like man i'm not interested i really appreciate it though and he's like it's all right man just call me if you need anything so i go to work the next day and i deal with some crazy bullshit from the investor again and like as soon as i left i called my buddy and i was like dude yeah, I'll fucking come sell cars. And he's like, God. great, man. I'm so fucking excited to have you here. And nothing, nothing, nothing is as titillating as a rage quit. Nothing is as exciting as well, just telling put, your boss, I'm fucking done I and walking I put in out. my two weeks. Wow. Okay. I put in my two weeks. I messaged my friend and I messaged the investor. And yeah. I said, hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to do something else. This right. isn't really working for me. I really, really appreciate everything. But, you know, I have to go another way. I'm like going there doing my job and this guy's getting more and more fucking crazy and he's worried about throwing parties and shit and having all of his people there and and it was it was just fucking bizarre and he's yeah. buying a farm to have all of his people go work there. I'm like, dude, you you want a cult? You want a cult? You don't want employees, you want a fucking cult. And I'm not I'm not that kind of girl. Yeah, you're attractive enough to be a cult person. Like you leader it, leader. It, if I was building a cult, I would definitely want you to be a recruiter. Yeah, for sure. But I would want to be a cult leader. I wouldn't accept recruiter. Mm. So I think that's why our cult never got off the ground, just because I don't need to be the leader, but your insistence on leading makes me uncomfortable. Ah, well, I mean, you've got the hair and the it was looks BY, and the charisma and stuff. B-Y-O-R, B-Y-O-R. Bring, Bring your, your own, own robe. robe, yeah. yeah. And no Kool-Aid was our one rule. Yeah, no, well, because, well, <laughs> and I feel bad for fucking Flavor-Aid, right? Because it was Flavor-Aid that Jim Jones fed his people what that they drink. And Kool-Aid gets all the credit, right? It's terrible. 
That's hysterical. I mean, flavor was it really flavoring? Flavoring has the goddamn body count, not Kool Aid. I think it's actually what was it antifreeze that has the body count? Uh, I don't remember what they put in it. I mean, I've 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 watched a couple Jim Jones documentaries and what have you. I mean, that guy was some nutty nutty no, he, nutty stuff. He was a fuck. Well, you know, whenever well, fine. Now you are at current said yeah, automotive yeah. place. So I've right? been here for a year and a half now. My and you're just slinging wheels, right? You're not I, doing financial office stuff. No, or, no, no. I'm just I'm just selling cars. Something changed between being at the car place before this and this one, like at the first one I wanted to kill and I was like, I'm getting this, this is where I'm going. And I was doing just that. And then I came here and I was like, dude, I don't even want to fucking do this. So I've done enough to make the money that I need to make. But, well, and you've got three kids now. Cause you have a, you have a yeah, daughter have that's a daughter what, nine, 10 months old, but that's not, she's four months old. Uh, four? Why am, my God, what is wrong with me? But, I just didn't, I didn't give a shit about being the best guy there anymore. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter. I don't hmm. fucking care. Why is that? Because I didn't want to be there anyway. I didn't want to be there selling cars. So, so you're, you're apathetic. Yeah. Yet, yeah. 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 Yet, yet you're still successful. Yeah. Why? Com- com- competence is the main indicator of success. So something that, something that Dave Wallace said to me years ago that he would take my 80% over most people's 100%. Do you think you're that way at the car place? Do you think you have such a natural aptitude that even if it's something that you're not crazy keen on doing, you're just good at it? Is this something that you see yourself sticking with for the rest of, you mean, no. is this what you're going to do? No. What do you want to do? So the, the, the plan right now is this. That's what you want to do. I've got, I've got about two and a half years left here. That, I, that I'm willing to do this. Assuming that that holds, I will have enough money set aside to buy a couple of franchises in that time. Mm. And I will make those my primary sources of income. I will then exit the business and use income procured from said franchises to open other franchises and procure rental properties. So it's real estate, right? Because, the, I mean, if there, if there is a limited resource that people understand that we have a luxury of in this country, it's space. Right. So those are the things that I plan on going to. Super smart, Chris. What's your, what's your, what, I mean, what do you regret? I mean, everybody looks back at their life and has things that they... I should have, I should have, if I was going to do this car bullshit, I should have gone to the first dealership. Okay, how come? Their pay plan was better. Ah, okay. So I wouldn't have wasted the time at the one for two and a half years. But you're not motivated enough now to pursue a superior payment plan. I have a great pay plan now. Oh, do you? Okay. I do. Yeah. I mean, I make, I make fantastic You make a money. bank, yeah. More, more than twice the money that I've ever made at my highest income. For sure. So, I, yeah, I make, I make great money. I don't care about being number one on the board at all, like whatsoever. I don't like at first. Do you get I, there anyway? No, because that's something you got to fight for. Yes and no. I've come really close a couple of times, but like I typically will lead the store in revenue if if that's the case. I see, uh, and it's by a large margin. Did your boss ever, your supervisor ever, get up your ass about you know, Chris? You could be so much better than this. My buddy that is there said, dude, you can fucking, you're better than everybody here. What are you doing? You're comfortable, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah, I just don't want to fucking do this, dude. 
Okay. Now, you mentioned franchises, Chris. Is there, do you mind discussing what it is that you actually want to do or what you're Yeah, I know. I want to do this full time. Um, Talking? Podcasting. So, how do you make money doing this all the time? You monetize it. So, one, this is the thing that I've really struggled with with it or with this particular endeavor is when uh, Entertain the Geeky was doing well and really starting to take off, I had too many moving parts. Like, there were too many people involved and it was fucking things up. And we had too many things that we were doing with all those people. Yeah, you had too many cooks in the kitchen and too many recipes getting juggled. Exactly. So that, like, it, it fizzled out because there was just too much going on. With this one, like, we, we've not promoted it super hard. We really just do this one to do it. Yeah, because we enjoy each other's company. We do. But, like, if any show is going to do well, honestly, this is the one that can and, and, well, I mean, I I have to say, I think that this show, to me, has been successful for two reasons. Mm-hmm. Three reasons. One, I very much enjoy the time talking to you because we are similar yet extremely different. Yeah. On a lot of levels, we're very different. And, and I enjoy discussing those differences and understanding somebody's life with, you know, children and success and hard work. That, that shit's very, very interesting to me. But... I I think the other thing that makes the show successful is that a listener sent us a video of a woman having Mentos poured in her butthole and then (laughs) Coca-Cola poured in that butthole. And then it rockets out of her. And the alarming expression that she gives the person who's filming is delightful. That, to me, was a success. That, watching that video made my day. Okay, so here's what's so funny about that. We get that video. I don't think you check the Facebook shit. I don't. Apparently you do. I, well, I did the one time. Because? Because there was a video of a young lady rocketing Coca-Cola Mentos out of her rectum. I saw that there was some fucking wildly inappropriate shit there, and I just responded to it without <laughs> watching it. I was like, ha, ha, ha. Let that be that. No, I indulged. I know you did. I indulged. So, so then was, I and, see. And, then and I to, see and to the listener. Thank you. And then I see other messages going out from our account, and I'm like, I didn't send that shit. Mike does care. Yeah, I do. Well, no. So, well, this is not about me. It's about you. So let's not talk about why I don't care about things and why don't I? Why but, I don't engage in stuff. But here, yeah. What what makes me slightly average to take that? that extremely long detour around my professional life and bring it into this, the willingness to go from nothing and have something and more than just something, but I, but something big. I don't ever, ever, ever want to settle for the status quo or absolutely average. Like I make more money than the average person. I don't fucking do anything average. You're more fit than the average person. Um, I want to fucking win. And like at the end of this, you die. Yeah, see, here's what's interesting about it is that winning has almost never been important to me. Almost. Mm-hmm. Um, what's important to me is just coasting. And and coasting isn't even the right word anymore. I just, even as a depressed person who contemplates suicide, I actually really enjoy being alive. I really enjoy the company of other people. I love conversation and I love, I don't, I like to read. I enjoy learning in that fashion. Mm -hmm. Nothing is as fascinating to me than sitting down from another person and getting a perspective about their life experience. Like what makes them tick. About what makes them tick. I think that's fascinating. I really, really do. So I think about death all the time. That's what makes me tick. 
Yeah? Yeah. Everything is on this timeline to me. Huh. And it's 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 weird. I've always understood that eventually I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. And I accepted that. There's a huge freedom to that, knowing that that's how this ends. I'm, I am afraid of death in that I, am, I fear the unknown. God forbid there actually is a hell that I'm sent to for various reasons. But at this point, I try to not think about, like, if I got killed in a car accident on the way home today, yeah. does it matter that I'm not a famous writer? No. Does it matter that I'm not? That's a, nihilism. I'm not a famous. Yeah, that's nihilism, though. But but I'm but I'm but I'm not a nihilist, though, because no, I'm not saying I, that you are. But I, that 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 particular viewpoint is. But I guess what I'm saying is is that ultimately, when I am finished, what does any of it else matter? And and why do I need to fear that? Fear dying? Yeah. Well, there's no point. Like it's it's the inevitable thing. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't want to throw my life away no, either, but. No, but like for me, like I, uh, my grandmother died when I was 16 years old. I was very, very close to her. She was the strongest person I ever knew. Did you ever jack off in her house? I remember the first time I jacked off was it with my great grandma's condominium. Yeah, I probably did. So like when, when she died, it, it, death was really real. It was really real because somebody that I was very close to died. And I was like, okay, there's, there's only a little bit of time to do whatever this is, this existence. So now I look at everything like it ends. Because it does. It does. And sometimes it's like fucking daunting and you don't know where to go or how to even start. And then other times it's like hyper productivity because you understand that this is a blip on a fucking timeline and you have to do something to get from here to here in that very, very short amount of time. So like that's it. Yeah, death, death is one of the big motivators here at getting things done. Cause when I die, well, I, my kids have to be able to bury me. So like I have to make strong people that can do that. I don't want to leave them nothing. So I have to make sure that I build something to give them. I know the listeners are probably annoyed at how much I like you, but I'm always just consistently impressed by your maturity and how much you value your responsibility as a spouse and as a father. Thank you. So since this is an interview, are we doing a word of wisdom? Yeah. Fuck yeah, man. Cause it's still the same show and you, you presented. A well, word of I do have a word of wisdom and I can't take credit for this. I have to give credit to one of my friends who's a nutty conspiracy theorist, Ooh. but this is something that he posted. If you know the mean meme from season three of stranger things where the super hot redhead that works for scoops ahoy yeah. has got. So it was one that was, it was just her and it says you, the Royal, you are the carbon that the government wants to reduce. <laughs>